0: No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.
1: Welcome to another edition of the Let's Go Ricky Roll podcast. We found him, Rick. We know where Josh Tolly is at. He has escaped the upstate New York farm slash villa slash estate. Uh, he is in Port St. Lucie, Rick. We never know if this guy's gonna come on the show because we text him, and then all of a sudden he gets service. So we found you, uh, Josh Tolley. Ricky. He's alive.
2: He's alive, dude. He's a, that's why when when uh, we popped up, our screens popped up. I was like, "Holy shit, you're you're here." <laughs> You just never know where he is. Last two weeks ago, he was out in the middle of the woods hunting, uh, didn't shoot a single thing. Um, luckily, he didn't shoot himself. Um, and today, he's at Fantasy Camp, making those campers better.
3: Josh, <laughs> Tully, everybody. Hey. Where are you, totally? Thank you, guys. Thank you. I'm in Fort St. Lucie, Florida at Mets um, Fantasy Camp. And uh, I didn't shoot myself because I couldn't see myself because I had a ghillie suit on. You guys know the deal. Uh, <laughs> Yeah? All right, now we're doing good. I, hey, you guys have created a monster. I do live out in the country up on the hill, but my phone does work. I just don't hear from you guys that often. We, I'll put it right back in your court.
1: We, ooh, we, ooh. we text you all the time like, hey, what do we got? Who do we have? What's going on? International man of mystery, boys. Yeah.
3: I'm like and, Houdini. Uh,
1: and and today's guest is going to really debunk a bunch of the Josh Tolly theories. Uh, John Buck played in the major leagues for a long time out of Utah. John Buck also has his Behind the Dish podcast. Uh, you can listen to that. It's on sabbatical right now. But and, most and importantly, though, he was
2: in the Josh Tully, uh deal. Yes. From the Blue Jays oh. to the Mets. Yeah.
3: <laughs> it, the blockbuster, baby. We're not going to call it anything. For some other. reason, we were in the,
4: the fine print. print. We were like down in the... In the bottom yeah. corner, Josh, we were like
3: hat throw throwing. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Well, yeah, we we'll were actually him.
4: the deal, like we were the at the end, they were like, Oh shit, well, how can we make we gotta make this look better? How about you get Josh? We get John. We'll call it done. And they're like, Fine. <laughs> so we it we basically helped the deal go down. It was down to Josh. That's and how it got done. Whoever, whoever got all done. those other people were. Whoever they were, but they just didn't. The they didn't trust. Hair. They
2: didn't trust John Buck to cat to catch Ari Dickey. That's why. They just no, they knew him.
4: my hands were too fast to catch that shit, and they're like, "Oh, Josh's <laughs> hands can handle
1: it." Of... <laughs> Brick hands back there. Two yeah, minutes uh, in, it's uh, already uh, just ripping on Tolly. Uh, uh, Buck, <laughs> you should have been here. <laughs> when, oh uh, we'll send you the link of a uh, Troy Tulowitzki just ripping Tolly for forty-five minutes.
4: <laughs> well, I feel like I mean I didn't play which i got the like the aura of josh in the clubhouse in new york after he left right because i moved in you know and then he moved out he was still present and I, he wasn't there and they were making fun of him so i felt like when he'd come up and hit, i felt like oh this is green light and i would start asking about some of the things i just heard david or or uh you know who, who I mean, the whole the whole pitching staff had something to say, so I felt like I knew him before I knew him.
3: <laughs> <laughs> the legend so continues. I feel like
4: Josh, he, you know, he's, a, he's, he's that type of catcher He just likes making people better around him. If you need to cut on him to make yourself better, he's that confident in himself.
1: We love, it. It we love him. We love him. That's why we brought him onto the podcast. Uh, John Buck played for the Royals, the Blue Jays, a 2010 All Star, the Florida slash Miami Marlins. Get it right when they're in transition. The New York Mets, Pittsburgh Pirates, Mariners, and finish up with the Angels, and he's now living in Utah. That's why I brought on my Utah Ute shirt. You know, got to represent. There you go. They- yeah, I bring out whatever. Better in. last game. They yeah, the, the, last the swap game. me behind me has something for everybody, so we'll be all right. <laughs> We're here. now, Rick. Let's start with you, though. How did you meet John Buck? Well, he was my catcher in 2010,
2: right after my rookie year. I don't know. I don't know if we faced each other. Um, obviously we don't have our intern here to find that out for us, but I don't, I don't, I don't think we did. I, I, I mean, 2009's no. too long, 12 years ago, but, uh, 2010, he came in as, uh, one of our catchers, um, and actually our main catcher, it was him and Jose Molina, what is, was his backup. And, um, we just, we hit it off, man. We hit it off quick. And, uh, to me, I always say he was very influential. In my career, especially in 2010, because I was still trying to find myself. I had had a decent uh, rookie year, but in 2010, it's where I, where I think I came into my own. We had lost uh, Roy Halliday to the Phillies that year, um, and I kind of started to transition into that role of, uh, you know, being one of the top line starters in that rotation. And, um, and dude, 2010, we had some good games together. Like, we, we, we honestly – I just grew as a pitcher and and you know when you have a big ass target like him it just you know it was hard it was it was easy it made it made it easy for me you know i always had a good relationship with, with with all my catchers but i think uh you know having john back there it was a uh, it, it just helped my career that much better for the following year in 2011 which is a career good for me. um but um yeah man we 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 just hit it off from the get go i think he saw you know the guy today was uh trying to log in at 8 a.m. <laughs> and it just shows you who he was. Like that's who that's who he is. The guy was never gonna be late. He was always there early, trying to watch film. This that's the cool thing that, that nobody ever sees the behind the doors. Uh what the closed doors, the work that gets put in before a game just to come up with a game plan. He's in there watching tape, hitting whatever it is to get ready. But I think more importantly, these especially catchers in the big leagues, they take it so serious and and they they care so much about their rotation that they're gonna make it to where it's easy for you to go out there and say okay, just trust me and and go off of me and and, and we'll we'll do that. And uh, dude, it, it was awesome. You know, we, we great teammate and and yeah, man. I mean, it's it good it, games together, and it kind of evolved into that next season. Yeah, I remember
4: when I came on to it I, with Ricky. It was. He, he just, he's had, he had some experience of, and knowing what was working for him and what wasn't. And like you said, he was throwing, but I think when I came on, you know, having all those years with Zach and uh, Daryl May and all these people learning how to call a game, I was, I understood how to call a game and what the league was at the same time, Ricky was now understanding himself, his strengths and where we could game plan together, where we kind of be, identified ourselves in the league together got myself get becoming an all-star and then himself going on to all the awesome things he did and leading that organization i think it was i was getting him right as he was ready to say i believe in myself i just got to be the catcher that i think whether it was josh or or whoever he threw to or uh, jp i think they continue because they're good catchers they continue to pull that out of him. but i i think i was i was there when ricky was very impressionable and and like the leader is, I think he just took it and that's why he he just ruined people's day for a living (laughs) (laughs) with that, with that change up, he started buying into that, like, yeah, this is like bug bunny. No one can touch it. And when I remember him kind of being convinced, but when he believed in it and you're looking at the guy's eyes in that moment, he's like, yeah, let's do that. And you're like, yep, no one's stopping him. I got to see that. You know, front seat on the mound. So uh when the guy gets that it's you know as a catcher it it's fun. I, I enjoy that part of it. And that's why you do all the work and to see Ricky kind of take a hold. Of it, I think that's why we're I guess bonded. Cause whether I seen him or uh later in our careers, whether we were having challenges or whatever, it was like that friendship we tapped into it wasn't like, hey your mechanic, she get, 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 It was hey, how's your nugget? <laughs> how's your nugget doing? How are you feeling? And that's you know I feel like that's what really pulled us out. What connected us is that learning to buy into each other.
2: And I and I think and and you know we have two catchers here. I think um, and Josh and I probably broke into the big leagues around the same time. But one of the things that I always noticed for veteran guys, guys that had been there, guys that are that that <clears throat> knew what it took, is they always respected you if you came in and worked, and hmm. they always. You had a chapped ass if you were fucking around, if you weren't coming in and doing the stuff that you guys were supposed to be doing as a young kid, you know, as a young rookie. And I think that's where, that's where I feel like for me as a young kid in 2009, 2010 in the big leagues, showing that I, that I was willing to put in, put in the work and and get better. I think that's what these guys respected so much. And that's why they were willing to be like, all right, this guy's getting it, I gotta get after it with him too, in the sense of game planning, whatever it is, make him successful on every fifth day, and 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 I and I felt that to be a huge key of it, you know, a key of, of everything that kind of led on to that.
1: Man, see, so normally the podcast uh-huh. job, uh-huh. we uh normally we get into and start doing like just messing around, but it's always interesting to hear how guys connect, like, you know, with Ricky coming up as a younger guy. You as you said, you just wanted to, you saw it, but he didn't have it quite yet mentally to let let it go. And then our, our, our partner right here is what I love talking about, Tolly on the podcast because Tolly brings this catcher's perspective that, first of all, you guys are crazy to even be a catcher in the major leagues because you're absolutely fucking crazy to put on gear and, oh, let me throw a thousand-mile-out fastball at you. Or in Josh's case, here's R.A. Dickey bouncing things that don't even move around you. Like, what's wrong with you guys, first of all? And then second of all, Tolly it seems like you and Buck might have been like the kindred spirit about Work hard, get in there, do the work, and just be a leader for that. Yeah, I,
3: I, yeah first off, 95% of catchers are that. Like, uh, let, there'll be a few that don't like that. But it, I believe it's all how we were brought up. So, for me, like, Brian Schneider was very instrumental bringing me up, right? I was the player. I acted how I acted because of Brian Schneider. Who's that guy for you, Buck? Oh, it was Brad Osmus. Uh, Brad Ausmus was always a guy
4: in Houston, and I remember having him as as kind of that mentor to where I would see Clemens or Pettit or those guys in Houston when I was in camp how they would listen to him and how he would project himself and the and the the perception he was given off. I saw Roger Clemens react like, "Whoa!" That became his reality, and because of that respect that they had for him, and and that was obviously because of the smart person he was calling a game and, and the student, even though he would say that he wasn't a student at the game, there's, I don't know if there's anybody smarter. So that's that just shows you that he just kind of did this really smart <laughs> on the side because he's that smart. But uh, I guess if you go to Dartmouth, you got to
3: – Yeah. You can't be dumb. <laughs> <laughs> like I believe really that.
4: A... At, at recess, they do uh, – Math problems. I don't think so.
1: <laughs>
3: yeah, don't take that
4: Recess bait.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's always a smart guy. They, they try to act like they're not that smart, huh? So, yeah, exactly. So it,
4: <laughs> I, that was that was kind of my my mentor, and then I had Greg Zahn who was oh. kind of the opposite, very racy, but but people responded to that to where he came into camp. And I remember he had this loud boombox, and he had. Biggio, Bagwell, Clemens, Pettit, and it was very quiet. And then Zahn brought this, come popping out to the half field with this boom box and everybody looking like, what the heck is going on? But I also saw how that worked and how, how uh, uh, Brad, Brad just made that work. That was his role and, and they embraced it. So I was able to see a very veteran group at a very young age and how it clicked and worked together. Uh, and seeing that team that was going for the playoff unfortunately being the one that was traded for belchon later but i knew going into camp that was special and unique and to be around that a very professional age as you're kind of 40 man-ish that i mean that, that leaves a mark as you can imagine as a catcher and so he's he's always been someone i've always yeah. looked up to
3: that's what i mean I, and this is we talk about it a lot on the podcast is like leadership like camaraderie that's what we do best, right? Like I always say, you run the clubhouse, you run the airplane. That's just that's just who I was by nature. I was, and it was all a byproduct of the guys behind me that that had kind of come in. So that's yeah. that's how it was.
4: You're laughing at bus trips, are not you? <laughs> <laughs> and moving, on, and moving
1: uh, on. so uh we do have so normally we have an intern named Graham, who, by the way, is at the University of Oregon. I uh, believe that's what we, Buck's like. Would you guys have an intern? Yeah, some kid we found who he's a journalist. got one major. of those in New York. I got yes. I
4: got <laughs> one of those. Good kid. That, what, do you think I'm doing it? You think I'm getting those done? Let's be honest. Let's, this kid is a madman.
1: Yeah. So Graham's not available today because he's busy writing for Sports Illustrated at the University of Oregon. But we do have our friend, the Green eyed Bandit, who uh, is researching for us, watching us right now. And we have the update. Ricky against uh, Buck. Look at that. Okay. Oh, three. He was
4: scared of me once. One. looks like a lot of balls? <laughs> looks like a lot of balls bro. <laughs> right there. That's all I know. Like, no official at bats. Uh, oh, uh, that's afraid. That's great.
1: 2012. Three like... plate appearances. Two official at bats. Ricky walked him once, so he must have been just scared out of his mind that day. No, what uh, it was is like.
4: Was like I've seen that ball doesn't ever go straight. I don't have it. He doesn't throw it in the loop. And if it is, it's in and out. So that, that doesn't work out. So I probably just did the Lyle over bay and just stood there. Is probably what happened. <laughs> I've caught this guy enough. I'm going to roll the dice three times. I'll get on once. And it works. That's that
1: percentage. Hey, but here's a, here's a dumb question. Because oh. you caught him before. When you go up to bat, does it help?
4: Well, that's what I just told you.
1: Yeah. But like that was it's- probably
4: really my I know for a fact I had one approach on that for sure with him. Just because catch it was hard to catch him. His ball doesn't go straight. Like his ball, his fastball, right, Josh? If, yeah. if, if, if and I think Ricky got behind the ball so well, that's why his changeup moved so well. That's why his stuff was so sharp. He got his whole body behind the ball. So if he was kind of to the side a little bit, that ball would take a left on you in a hurry you're like hey uh, Ricky I thought I was too seen man <laughs> I thought it can't go 94 the wrong way and he would routinely <laughs> do that
2: so hey, hey, uh, funny story I, funny story but though, funny story so 2010 yeah, go ahead go he, ahead him and Molina are catching me they're catching me and through two weeks into the season I had 12 pass balls
3: Oh, or twelve wild pitches, twelve wild pitches. Yeah, wild pitches. That's right. Yeah,
4: yeah there, there's Thank no pass balls on this show. Thank you, Josh.
3: Yeah, they're all wild pitches. Twelve wild
4: yeah, we pitches. We know what those look yeah. like from Ricky. You're thinking down and away. He throws that shit cutter down and in. <laughs> <laughs> like I was just saying, and then it's like,
3: John, why are you a runner on third? Yeah, he
4: was and supposed this to guy... throw a sinker down and away, coach. And he, Tommy tucked coach. one over here.
2: <laughs> no, no, sorry, no. I got my glove on it. Hey, I'm telling you, two weeks in, twelve wild pitches, and I remember Don came up to me and he was like, "Rick, fuck, man, we're gonna get this shit right." And I think I ended the season with like 14.
0: Oh, yeah,
3: yeah that's, so fuck that's to carry you connection. We we got locked. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, dude. Well, hey Bucky, I had I had 14 in one game with Ricky in Triple A. <laughs> I dude, that's what you was that's that
4: that's what you're trying to figure that out it's cutting and diving and sinking and swimming
3: yeah dude yeah it, it's it's not normal catching up the balls in my sleep if oh they, it if was they, not normal no joke yeah, he doesn't
2: his
4: shake yes is like I hope so that's what <coughs> I feel like he said yeah I hope. And then I was like, all right. He didn't look that confident, but oh here I'll guard in this area of the plate. Wow. <laughs> because it was it oh. would, it would go off people's hips and people would dive out of the way and then you're boom. that's when he had it really going and where I think he really when Ricky was on, he knew which way it was breaking which way, but it was so it was so hard and sharp that if it, it wasn't, it was that's why you see so many silly swings and misses because of the amount of movement. Mm.
0: And it's just really
4: tough if you're thinking break right and goes left, though. Right, Josh? Okay. Do yeah. The woo. It, it, yeah. It,
3: yeah. It, hey, I'm with you, dude. I'm having deja vu right now. I'm glad I wasn't the only one, man. Oh my palms feel
4: sweaty right now. Yeah. This is like the therapy nine,
1: session for catchers today. <laughs> see the We're post-traumatic, post-traumatic yeah.
4: stress you give all your catchers? You son of a bitch. <laughs> good, thing, good thing when we were rolling when we were rolling you were in and
1: out of there but if shit was going awry buckle up See, ricky it, doesn't it, realize it, that this is an intervention it's a chance for him to apologize all his catchers jose molina jp everybody's coming in right now we're, we're gonna have a big uh, intervention
2: yeah man i'm sorry guys but you guys kept the therapy
4: like session the we <laughs> made we'll <laughs>
3: name this podcast therapy catchers <laughs> therapy ricky show. <Rosso. laughs> But did you, we started that game.
2: Um, you, did you, I think you did start that game against the White Sox, where we almost threw a no hitter. Where Alex Rios, what yeah. took me deep. Yeah, yeah. and I remember. Um, and we brought him up before you came on on air, uh, Buck uh, Mark Tian, and how that night <laughs> he said I, I destroyed his career that night after that game because I saw him a few days later. He's like, bro, you destroyed my career that like lefty. We were throwing lefty on lefty changeup, Beto, and that's really rare. But we had it yeah. working that because you really never really throw a lefty lefty changeup. You're usually working the corners and breaking ball. But dude, John Buck, and he's good friends with Mark Tian, he must have called like 12 changeups against him and he kept <laughs> swinging over that shit. <laughs> know, God, man. Like, oh my <laughs> God.
4: See, the thing is, the conversation I had going on with Mark, it was like some bitch, Buck. Like, come on, come on. And I'm like, you got at least. Act like you're going to hit one or take it good. You can't keep doing this. Because he <laughs> was, it was, I just knew Mark on normal left down left. He, He's the man. He goes left field. He goes left field. He's so good. So I'm like, all right, Mark's, yeah, he's a left-handed hitter. But I just knowing him, talking with him because he's a good friend. He goes, I just feel like how you get me out. And I just remember this. How you get me out is like a right-handed hitter. So I'm like, perfect. I got Ricky. He's really good against right-handed hitters. Let's throw <laughs> it against his right-handed. And he couldn't hit that out pitch. So we just oh, change up, change up, change up. <laughs> but like I said, it's like a woofle ball change up. So
1: there's gonna be it some guys coming in. Deborah
4: like- does the same thing twice. So it wasn't like <laughs> even though I should have threw 12. I'm sure five of them look like cutters.
2: Oh yeah, dude. Some of them cut. some of them right down the middle and the other ones sink down and in to them. Yeah, it was. Then at the end, I think hey, I remember. Go ahead.
4: Josh, let me ask you when you called it, did you just in your mind, body, like it? I felt more like a split finger. Is that how you kind of yeah. would try to attack? <laughs> yep. yeah. Yeah. yeah.
3: I, I, I didn't I, know if I he was, was going to pull it or. <laughs> yeah. That's right. I would set up like kind of like <laughs> of them a little bit more to have that, like yeah. to have that. I had the shape in my mind. I love left on left change ups. That was one of my favorite yeah. pitches to call when um, Dan Worthen actually got that uh, got me on that. That's there the it, only yeah. Uh, yeah, that's 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 right. I'll leave it there. Um, but yes, yeah, <laughs> I did visualize it a lot. That's a whole other podcast right there. We're going down this, is, that road.
1: this is the yeah. joke, the, the roast of Ricky Romero coming up right here. <laughs> <It's> coming up. <laughs> now, oh here's a here's a uh, message right here. Uh, Eric Camargo, no joke, everybody was Afraid to warm up with Ricky in high school too. You just hope it hit your glove.
4: Yeah, this this guy must have caught you. Is that guy one of yeah. your catchers?
1: His buddy in high school. I, I, just, I, could hear, I could hear
4: the
3: fear in his voice.
4: Yeah, it sounds like he, the way he wrote that, I can just <laughs> sense that he was like a bullpen, maybe a lower classman that was like told to go down. He's like, grab the shit. Oh, coach now, making me catch to him again. For sure. That's who
1: that guy was. Buck, I got my own trauma stories. You know what? Everybody pile on here. Let's all pile on Ricky now. I got my own trauma stories because when Ricky was in the final year of trying to come back after his surgeries, his throwing partner, because, you know, you go from being an all-star, you have everybody, you have all facilities, you're at the end of your career, you know who you're throwing with? The, the, this guy. <laughs> the
4: leftovers. The leftovers.
1: You know, softball, all-star over here. And I'm like, yeah, I can play catch with you. Fuck. So we're playing at a football field, playing long toss. I'm like, yeah, long toss, no problem. And all of a sudden... 90 feet away, boom, I'm like, what the fuck? Then, boom. Okay, I had to go buy a new glove and everything else. And it was, <laughs> then he would like, he wasn't throwing a bullpen, but just like from, you know, dry. And I'm like, oh my God, I'm like, this is spinning here. And I'm like, Rick, you go to these tryouts, they're going to want you, bro. The ball's spinning like nothing. And I'm a sports reporter for a reason because I shouldn't be catching this shit, right? But no, there's a couple ones that bounce into the shin. And, you know, yeah, you know, I didn't understand what you're talking about the way the, oh yeah, yeah, I'm right there too. <laughs>
4: See, see, it helps you.
1: It helps you realize. Like,
4: I think you get a lot of these because, of course, you're going into daddy ball here soon, shortly. Ricky, being a father, Uh, and having these dads scream, yell at their kids. I think I. Me and Josh did a disservice to the world. We made it look so easy catching this guy. (laughs) <laughs> that every dad thinks their kid should catch like this. Yes. And then to, to, to get some perspective, like you had uh, the opportunity with Ricky, having a major league arm throw a ball to you, whether that no. makes that move, being able to have the accuracy, uh, with Ricky having the movement with the power, the heaviness behind it, you see why they're that one percenter. Mm-hmm. Like just playing CAC, it's different. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and then to throw to catch that and move it and do some you know uh it you don't realize how much skill and the level of where ricky's arm is without like, a until you play catch and you can and you can tell that so it's a treat to be able to like put a game plan together yeah. and do that you know all joking aside like ricky developed some tools with that work ethic and he had some good mentors in holiday before is where all that was done because i would be in the gym and doing my game plan, and more than any probably other pitcher uh, that came to me was Ricky was constant. He knew exactly what he wanted to do, how he wanted to go about it, and and his his confidence behind his game grew from his game plans. And I And I couldn't help but think, again, somebody that's left their presence in the locker room. I think every locker room he's been in his holiday, not being around him, not – being his teammate just in clubhouses he's been in after he's come through uh the product the byproduct of that is I think one of them at the top of the list is Ricky so it's that special arm being developed I think you get to see why you know it is that one percent arm so with that work ethic.
2: you know what I and it's and it's funny because we you know we met you you talked about bright outs and the when I walked into the into big league camp my first time, first, first time 2006. And I knew obviously I wasn't making the team. It was one of those first round. We're going to invite him to camp. But just watching Doc Halliday, it made me like think, like put myself in those shoes and say, I want to be in here one day next to him because I see the way he goes about it. And obviously he was, you know, but he was on on another level as far as standards, you know, because he just, he was, he's, he's part of that, you know, whatever point, whatever percent, that was the Hall of Fame, obviously. Unicorn status. Yeah. Unicorn. Like, you know, but, but I remember walking to that clubhouse and just seeing, like, you know, him, AJ Burnett, um, Greg Zahn, Benji Molina, and being around. So, and I'll go, and it's probably this probably an old school name, but James Baldwin was like right next to me, uh-huh. a locker mate, and just seeing him, talking to him uh scott Schoenwise, wise all those like dude just some, such a veteran group that it was just like it was intimidating but at the same time it was like okay i i see the way they go about it um even uh crazy ass ben weber i don't know if you remember oh, him Wow, uh, 2002
1: world series champion ben weber get it right and but just
2: like them taking me under their wing and talking to me and me you know because you know how it is sometimes when you're a younger guy and you get or older veteran guy, and you get that younger guy that comes in and just thinks he's the shit, and he's running the clubhouse, and it's like whoa, 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 like, like, slow it down here a little bit. Um, Go get in the restroom. <laughs> yeah. the Go get Buck, in the restroom,
3: Buck, son.
2: Buck wasn't scared to call out, like, like, guy, you know, he he let you know right away, like, what the fuck, like, let's we're we're, we're, we're trying to accomplish something here, not to be an asshole or anything, but hey, get the point, you know, you don't come in here and run shit, um, and. Um, I remember as a young, two thousand six uh, invitee, I was like, dude, I was like, all right, I'm just, I just want to absorb as much as I can, so that when I get invited again, I know what to do. And and that's kind of that year kind of helped me, just watching those guys, watching Doc, watching, um, you know, all those showing wise and and guys like that uh, to to kind of be ready for that for that time because I didn't see Biggs' camp till two thousand and eight, which was like two years later.
1: You, you totally young guys walk in there acting like that in new york
3: yeah uh, especially now <clears throat> especially now it's it's way different than it used to be right like you sat in your locker forward and you didn't say a damn word now it's Nothing. just a free-for-all you're not even allowed to say anything and, and and you can't be like buck used to be right go get on their ass then they go tell the front their tell their agent. Tells the front office. It's a fucking, absolutely. That part of the game, that's what's frustrating about the game now, in my mind, is that piece of it. Like, that's how you learn. That's how you learn to do the right thing. That's how I learned to go to the national anthem. I never knew that. I was a young kid. I was 22. I had no clue what to do. And I'm sitting in the locker room with Gary Sheffield while the anthem's going on in Colorado. I'm just fucking hanging out, sitting in my locker. Got blown up for it. If nobody fucking blew
1: me up, I wouldn't know any different. Wait, now it did, doesn't even matter. You didn't know you're supposed bro. to be on the field for the national anthem?
3: No, they have an it's early it's anthem. A very, and de- remember, catchers, we got a lot of
4: stuff going on, bro. Let me step in here for <laughs> you, yeah. Josh. He's, you know, yeah. he's working with the manager. He's got the field coach coming at him. It was yeah, his we, first into the big to the line a little late. Sorry, we were back taking ball foul balls off the wiener. Yeah. You know, maybe yeah. rice <laughs> and that. Maybe we maybe we didn't get out to the line. <laughs> but we are ready, you ice that wiener later. You get out of there. Yeah. Wiener. Yeah, I do. It later.
3: Yeah, that's right. <laughs> no, I fucked up. There's, I yeah, fucked there's up a
4: checking order you just gotta know. Yeah. <clears throat>
3: yeah. All right, all yeah, right. Not, any, not anymore. Wait, see, but I think you know, I think about know, you know, uh, great I'll culture say this. though. I'll say this for I a for a
2: listener. That... if a veteran guy got on you, it was for the for for the right reason. Yeah, and it was because at the end of the day Put his arm around you and say hey why i did that and explain it to you yeah you know yes you run into some assholes here and there every once in a while you learn to deal with those guys but the the veteran real leadership guys would get on you but at the same time be like hey you understand why i did that and and hey let's go have let's go i'll take you out to dinner or i'll take you out for beer whatever you know okay. that 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 to me is what makes a clubhouse and that's what it was all about and 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 a guy like John Buck understood that, you know, he just wasn't going to be an asshole and then sit back and and let you keep fucking up again. That's, that to me is a leader, you know, because you're just like, dude, the guy doesn't know, like, come on, like explain it to him. But a lot of the veteran guys, they, they, uh, that I dealt with would explain to you what you did wrong, you know,
4: that's what it should be. And to me, when I did that, like whenever I do the bus (laughs) skits, you know, you have the bus time or whatever, to me, that's, that was a time because, nobody else is in there it's a it's a time where players can be vulnerable we can make fun of the things that you just threw the ball out in the fourth row right lost the game for us and then the whole team's laughing with you about it just kind of saying we don't care like we're in this with you let's let's make fun of it have fun with it and keep going i feel like that chemistry is that, that being able to get on each other and laugh with them is what makes it a real team unit. Because 162 games, 180 days, you're gonna suck. Yeah. You're gonna be terrible. You better be able yeah. to laugh about it, or you're gonna go crazy.
3: You know, yeah. And make so fun, well make fun of yourself, crazy. Yeah,
1: exactly. That's right. That's
3: exactly. You right. have to. You have to make fun of yourself in this game.
1: Yeah. Now, Buck, you grew I, up in I, Utah, Taylorsville, Utah. You yeah. get drafted out of high school. Um, what was like your First experience in the big leagues. How did you get the big league call? Like, hey, you're coming to the show.
4: I was in uh, AAA with the Astros. Auburn – no, no, not Auburn. It was New Orleans. New Orleans Zephyrs. I don't know why I said Auburn. New Orleans Zephyrs. We were playing the Omaha Royals at the time, and that's who I got traded to. We were kind of in rain delay. Shocker, New Orleans rain delay. Hmm. And Our traditional rain delay, right? And so yeah. – we're in there, the trades, you know how the trade deadline stuff's going. And at the time I was kind of the talk of the Astros, the, the number one prospect then. But there was this Oakland and talk of Beltron going there. And next thing you know, like the trade's been done. We're all sitting on the couch. And everybody kind of looks at me. And then two seconds later, uh Mahoney comes in there and said, Hey Bull, got to talk with you. <laughs> so I walked in there. Tim Papura called me, told me they had traded me. Uh, then about five minutes later, Allard Baird called, told me that I was going to, uh, and they needed me in Kansas City. They had the I-70 series going. So next morning, went to the flight, uh, was on the flight with David Jesus, who later became his best man in his wedding. Uh, and then we get there. My first at-bat, wow. Right down the line. And I started, as I started down the line, I kind of went out to round the base. But like yesterday, they didn't have those freaks out there stealing hits called Scott Rowland. <laughs> so he dives from his knees, from his tummy, and he just throws it like that. i am got to wind back into the line and then go through. <laughs> And so I get done, and I feel like a horse's ass. So I go down there. And Tony Pena was like my – like I you know, had Brad Osmus as a player, and then Tony Pena was more like a father figure. Coming out of high school, his son, uh, Frankie, I remember catching bullpens with him. He'd come grab me and to you. Every morning at 5 a.m., I was out there catching balls before big league camp got there. And he was somebody who just kind of taught me that self-discipline too. And, and not only taught me – Held my hand through it. Well, he w- I think it was a big part of getting me over to Kansas City. He was managing at the time. He was at the front step waiting to where it lay into me. Like, where are you going, Buck? Where are you going? As Tony Payne, as you can imagine him saying, with Matt Stairs and uh, Grafinino, Sullivan. And uh I walked down and they're like, What are you what are you doing? I said, Dude, yesterday that was a double. I don't know who these. <laughs> assholes are out here. I'm rounding bases yesterday in New Orleans. Do you think I'm weird? Like that. <laughs> yeah. And so I, I kind of, I won stairs over with that comment. Cause I, I hadn't talked to anybody. I was pretty quiet, you know, be seen, not heard. And so that was my first comment. So it helped me to win favor in the clubhouse. Dude, there. Your like, you first, I'm the weird one. <laughs> yeah,
1: Your major league debut. You go up against Matt Morris, who was dealing at that time. He went eight strong and you're catching that Grinky Now, yeah. I covered Granky a little bit when he was at the Dodgers. Oh, that must have been fun. Hey Rook. Here's Zach Granky yeah. in front of you.
4: Yeah, we got our ass kicked together. That's why he's so good. <laughs> we 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 learned a lot of not what to do
2: that year. You um, you got him you, yeah, you it was, caught his side was, year? I think we were the youngest. What? Did you caught, did you catch his thigh young year? Uh so
4: I started the first half catching it. And then he went to Molina and here's here's a Zach comment. Cause I would do all his game planning. He wanted Molina. me to do all his, no, sorry, Oliva. Miguel Oliva. 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 Miguel Oliva. Oliva. So he goes, he would make me do all his game planning and everything, because he wanted to call his own game. And he said, I feel like I've met Zach real like calm. He because he pulled me aside and he's like, John. And it, I know that he really meant this because he wouldn't tell anybody else. This, so I, I, I feel very it feels good. So he comes and he goes, John, I, I don't know if I want you catching me anymore. I think you're too smart and I second guess everything I want to call, but I still want to be <laughs> in the game plan. <laughs> <point." laughs> I'm like, all right, Zach. Uh, I was like, you know, this feels kind of and he gave me a coin at, like a lucky coin. and I still have it. It's in my closet. So- be, yeah, I have it. Now I got to bring it out. And it's this lucky, I don't know, has like, I don't know, Japanese writing on it or something. And it's like a lucky coin. I still got it on the shoelace. And the day he told me he didn't want me to catch him because I was too smart. I did <laughs> him guess himself. <laughs> right? And I took it as the utmost compliment. I And, it, and so from about the beginning of that season, I... I, I didn't. I helped him game plan. I had to be there waiting for him. <clears throat> I would show up to the field, which I which was great. I got a you know a good uh, massage and recovery routine out of it because it it mm-hmm. made it so it every day that was my day off. I had Zach off that year.
1: Yeah. So he was twenty year old Zach.
4: I was great very game. instrumental. It was behind the dish stuff that Dolly Josh and I can appreciate. And yeah. Gail, I'm so bitch better appreciate it. But we, he does. He, yeah. We know maybe he loves me. So, but I, I think because him. of that.
1: So you made Zach Grinky. I, <laughs> no, I, oh, I don't know. I think Zach Grinky made Zach Grinkey. you're too smart. You're I, too smart I, for me. I,
4: do, do, yeah, I don't want any part of making any part of what that person is. If I could be his friend, I'll take. I'll take <laughs> some of that. <laughs> that man created everything he is on his own. Yeah, I'm he's just glad uh, to be a and small, he's still dealing. So. No, he,
1: you had him his rookie year. He was 20 years old, uh, and he's okay. now dealing at still 37 years old with the uh, Houston Astros. So, yeah, I remember dude, those get Knox. Get and Knox, I, remember, I remember when we
2: went to Kansas City, uh, and he was obviously the, the favorite for the Cy Young. And that, that's the week that he came out on Sports Illustrated, and he didn't want his face on it because, obviously, yeah. he, he has dealt with Such anxiety, anxiety yeah. Yeah. And and I remember it was just the back, you know, it was like the back of his, the, the front cover was just the, his back with his last name, obviously. And I remember I faced him that week and I was so, so pumped, dude. I beat, I beat his ass. though. So I got him.
1: <laughs> I got him. Yeah, Cause Frankie, he, remember he signed that deal with the angels or he was with the angels. He got traded and in the angels clubhouse. You know, I, remember I told you, Rick, there's like four reporters, right? It's the easiest clubhouse to play in. You can hide in Anaheim. Nobody cares. You're good. It was perfect for him. And then the next year, it, we're at Dodgers because I covered both teams. And he walks in there, and everybody's in there. And that's before the renovation. So the clubhouse was really terrible. And he walks in there and you, you just see him look. He peeked out once, turned right back around. It was like, oh, hey, okay, guys. <laughs> you yeah. isn't, there
2: like,
1: isn't, it, isn't there
2: that clip where he, uh, like, Doc is giving a. A speech and then all of a sudden he raises his hand and he says, uh make sure everyone gra- uh, washes their hands. Yeah. I saw somebody go grab the grapes after some <laughs> shit like take that. Against, a, oh yeah. Taking a number of yeah. two, right?
1: Yeah, he's like, uh do you have anything to that say? Was, you know, leader in the clubhouse, anything to say? Yeah, make sure you guys wash your hands. Like he's <laughs> Yeah, no, but that would have been it's
4: said. It's said in the most like Yes. Uh, yeah, like the guy grabbing the, uh my stapler. Um yeah, if you could grab my stapler, can you please wash your hands? I don't appreciate it, <laughs> and everybody is like, "Is Zach being serious? Is he joking?" I like him yeah, serious, but he'll that's laugh true. it off like he's joking after he sees the clubhouse go
1: nuts. Yeah, he's a
4: funny, it. witty person.
1: Yeah, I, I like him. Yeah. It. Uh, did, you know, did, did, did Frankie get you anything for winning the Cyan?
4: Oh uh, no, I I think that that's, I think that's Olivo's territory.
1: He got him. He got uh, him a I, 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 every I got day. a point. I got a lucky coin, bro. Everybody right. right. wants. By the
2: way, oh, Olivo almost beat me up in Triple A my last year. Yep. Yeah. Well, just be. Thank goodness you have your ears. Apparently, they bit someone's
4: ear off too. Right? Yeah. Whatever, he did. All
1: right. Now, Josh Tolly is at Fantasy <laughs> Camp in Florida right now. You know, his whole life is a fantasy camp, as he said in Seinfeld. Now, Tolly, you got to go. What do you have to do right now instead of talking to John go, Buck?
3: I got to go win another fucking ball game, Bucky. I'm gonna get your number. We'll finish this conversation. Between wait, you and I, I wait. Wait. are you really managing right. the team? I love it. Yeah, yeah I manage you. a team. We're fucking. Are you we got what's, peg- your, what's your record? We're one and one this week. Last week we got fucking throttled. Didn't even make the playoffs. <laughs> and every team makes the playoffs, but two, and we were one of them. This week, <laughs> well, this week we're one and one. Uh, we just won. Okay. We just won three hour and ten minute game, and we just won on a walk off. So I have an hour break now. Another two o'clock game, and Was I got to get some scorecards. Walk off or a waddle off? <laughs> it was a waddle off, but we did it. Oh, yeah. yeah
1: totally. Uh, are no. you uh you, hey. using analytics? You have the shift going on, all that good stuff. Fuck no. no <laughs> we do this shit with our eyes. Me and Pete shirk, baby. <laughs> all right, totally. We'll talk to you in a couple of weeks when you answer your phone.
3: Thanks, guys. Bucky, good to see you. Sorry, I got to run. See you, bud. Yep, you this dude.
1: Yeah. This dude. We just love harassing him. We hey. love harassing him because he really does live on a farm, and we have no idea where he what he does. And we text him on a Thursday. He'll answer on Tuesday morning. Hey, guys, what do we got? Like, (laughs) (laughs) he's a beauty. Yeah, he is. um, So we ask this question a lot. uh, Buck, so you get there. What was it like when you walked into the clubhouse and you saw your jersey? First major league debut. Um, It's
4: pretty dope. (laughs) Uh, You know, it's funny. A backstory to that is. I remember my uncle played uh, football at Nebraska and we went to Iowa when I was younger, I was 10 years old, 10 U, AAU tournament. And we went past I-70 and I remember looking down there and at the time my uncles gave me this, this, uh, tapes that the football team was listening to, the psycho cybernetics. And, and it's about how you visualize and put yourself in the stadium, put yourself and we drove past, and I remember looking down in Kauffman Stadium and and telling my dad, I'm going to I'm gonna play there someday. And I remember my dad, and he hit me like a ton of bricks, like, prove it. And I remember him looking at me, and it wasn't like a, yeah, go ahead, dad. It was my dad calling me out for the first night. I felt like, as a man, I was like, what? He was like, prove it. Show me. What are you going to do today? And it became this thing, so at, as I'm – going to that Jersey, it was like a flood of like, all right, I'm about, I'm about to prove it. Like that feeling of like every from, you know, 11 all the way, all those skipping the just doing baseball stuff and being engulfed and obsessed with it. I'm about to prove it. And with, you know, this, hopefully this whole other life at the, you know, the start of it, you know, with our other part of our dreams and knowing, Dude, I just got to set some goals, and it could happen. As soon as I put this jersey on, that's what it felt like. But is, does that make sense? There's no real <laughs> way, but it was that. Wow. I had more of that feeling. You yeah. were like eight, nine years old. I was, I was ten at the 10. time when I when I got those video, but, you know. And it was, it was something that, you know, I I applied it to gymnastics or whatever I did, but it was baseball. You know, it's just it was. It's in the back of your heart, right? That's just part of who I am. And I did a lot of other stuff in preparation to become a baseball player, whether gymnastics, skiing, BMX, you know, whatever we do in life. And it felt like the center of that was always baseball. And to have that jersey in a Royals uniform with all that mental work that I did with my uncle, he was at Nebraska and all this, you know, all this Harvey Dorfman stuff, like – it was all in my mind in a royals uniform and for it to be happening it like the picture that i would play in my head would be a royals uniform i wasn't from kansas city i wasn't a huge fan of george brad it was just it was that moment saying i was going to do that and picturing myself in that beautiful stadium uh made me always aware of what was the royals going on not not thinking i was going to play for the royals just very innocently visualizing myself in that uniform and then it, to be like that uniform to, to take the field it was very so real yeah. it's like holy cow my dream's happening right now it's, it's hard to explain i mean i don't know yeah, yeah it's, can, that, that's
1: like right there, very good.
2: Yeah. Now, Buck, when you get traded to toronto um uh-huh. where you was like... traded i wasn't
4: signed so oh, that's right. I was I, my only comparable would have been home runs to that point that came into the big leagues and started right away was Pudge, Rodriguez, and the Royals were like, um, no, you're not worth as much as Pudge. <laughs> so, <laughs> which I didn't blame him at the time. And luckily, Dayton Moore was awesome. This so is I think he's a player's GM is like he was able to explain that to me, but I left there very feeling very confident of whatever team was getting a front line it wasn't like i wasn't i didn't leave there being felt like some players do through arbitration that you're just not worth it you're not going to be worth the money you know and they can digress um dayton left me feeling very empowered like dude i just need one more chance and then to yeah. come around toronto in the the lineup i did it was i don't know it felt like the perfect storm as a player for
2: me what when you go to toronto though were you like um you know obviously you talk to most athletes or most guys that have played there they're like yeah man it's you know you're going to a different country you're using different money you're you got to go through customs that's i think that's the number one thing that everyone says ah oh, the customs obviously i always say it's not as bad as you think it is obviously we get a little bit catered to us but were you did was toronto the only team that kind of showed the interest or did it come down to two teams and 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 what made you choose toronto um uh, other than me
1: <laughs> yeah, I think yeah, it was mainly you, uh, which
4: you you were you were a big part of it actually, um, in that decision. Like where I said, it felt like the perfect sort It was like that veteran offense where I was a better hitter around good hitters. Does that make sense? I could it narrowed down what they would do to me because if people are a little more aggressive towards me as a hitter, I know I'm better. That's just me knowing baseball and having to call a spade a spade. Now if if I was that guy to be like a lot of the young teams I was good to where they wanted me to be that middle of the lineup guy just couldn't be the hitter like a David was a good hitter it just I don't know my skill level I just wasn't that unicorn I had the skills but to hold it for long periods of time it wasn't that right so around me I knew I knew that it was that you know I knew it was going to be a good fit you know 20 home runs later and me to be have the year I did I think that's evidence of that but what i was really attracted to was the young pitching staff um you know with the ability to kind of take over like cito was just like we need a guy a veteran guy to come here and, and take over the staff and what me you know the reputation i had in with bob McClear, how he helped me all well, ted simmons game calling strategies you know i pride myself on being that brad awesomeness right and knowing how to call a game and controlling that i felt like i had a skill set that just matched up well with guys and and you being one of those people wanting to do it and then making a very i mean we talked about it earlier in the show that was by design i felt like you know seeing you from it was this young kid that as soon as he bought into himself he's going to be an all-star like i, I as clear as i saw it with with my You know, me in that Royals jersey, I do that same process like psycho cybernetics that I learned with each of my pitchers. And and it was you being at the top of that list is like, dude, he could be a frontline for anybody. Hmm. If I could bring this out in this kid, like kind of what I was doing with Zach and Ho Chaver and some of those people that I started to learn how to do. If i could be the man and do it with you right now and be that kind of that veteran presence that i was kind of rolling into there it just felt like it would look good on me selfishly right that i could jump on the backs of ricky to to pull this greatness out of him as a catcher should you know and that's their job i i knew that this was an opportunity that would set me up for you know whether i was an all-star that wasn't really on my mind it was I can make this young staff like how I'm going to leave Zach and Hoach and some of these guys. I may make a name for myself because that was kind of going into a free agent year. I needed to establish.
2: And yeah, not and to mention, with, with Hozy being my my backup, there's a lot that's of that's what I was going to say. Yeah, our lineup, um, our lineup Beto that year, I think we had the first not I don't think in history, right? Or was it an MLB history or first 20? Yeah, I think so. History, yeah history where it had we had like six or seven guys hit 20 or more home runs oh, the whole lineup the whole lineup the, the whole lineup. lineup
4: all hit 20. yeah <clears throat> i have a bat yeah. where we all signed it all of us.
2: you do uh oh, yeah lou
4: even hit 20. freddie oh, yeah we were wow. all playing. that was the year they all thought we were had somebody out in right field
1: Oh had yeah, the guy like, in the, in the, the hotel because bautista, bautista yeah bautista that's when you guys had the hotel giving signs Little did
4: they know, but it wasn't that though it was lyle overbay was the best so was aaron hill they they weren't watching lyle over there at first base or the guys on deck i it was this system that i learned they're all sit in here and watch video and then at, during the game it was the simple what kids are doing now like on your hands, stand up. If I walk into my lead, the good relay of science. The traditional, the
2: right way. To the way you're science. supposed to do it. The way you're supposed to do hey. it. They were the best. That was I, the best I, team I've ever been on. Beto, I always say this, dude. These guys, <clears throat> if I was facing them and I knew what I knew about these hitters, I would have been like, dude, I'm skipping that start or something because these guys pulled <laughs> thieves. We were gangster at it.
1: Well, so here you we go, here are the numbers. Ready? In a John Buck, your catcher, 20. Lyle Overbay, 20. Aaron Hill, 26. Shortstop Alex Gonzalez, 17. Edwin, 21. Freddie Lewis was hurt, so he only had eight. Vernon Wells, 31. Joey Batts, 54. Adam Lidd, 23. And on the bench, Travis Steiner had 14. So maybe maybe that's
4: maybe it was a lineup that I saw. Maybe it didn't have Freddie Lou. I just wanted to put Freddie Lou in there. So maybe maybe it was the Adam Lind hey. combo because Joey Batman, Right
2: but when these guys honestly first base, second base, and you turn to a hitter in the bench, and they're like, "Got him," and you just see these guys <laughs> like, "Oh, here we go, fall out easily." Oh,
4: and we amazing. kept. We, we. I remember homers and punchies. That was our motto, homers and punchies. Hey, hey,
1: Sean Markham even had an RBI that year, all right? Oh, Sean. Oh, you want to talk about uh, punchies? He's a gamer, dude.
4: Dude, he's a gamer, though. Um, He had big old, big old cojones. Yeah, that pitcher, he, he competes, dude. Talk about a pitcher that was a crucial role. I don't know how his arm was even attached to his body. (laughs) <laughs> first and foremost, that's the first wow factor is I saw this guy not literally not be able to wipe his ass and then throw like seven shut piece. <laughs> like after you get Miller, like, like, how are you going to pitch tomorrow? Like, I'll do something. We'll get it rubbed up. We got, you know, uh, he would somehow get it done and get it done. Convinced. That, that was a fun team, Beto. That was, a, that was a it, very It seemed fun like
1: fun, team. but you said homers and punchies. Do you want to hear how many punchies? Sure. Let's hear it. Um,
4: 111, 131, 104,
1: 116, 144.
4: Boom. Told you. Told you. Homers and punches. As yeah. soon as we embraced it, it was like we were trying to do that. So it was like, oh,
2: perfect. We're yeah. doing exactly what we want to do. We flipped that. You got to learn how to fail. Bro. And,
1: and that was you you learn, learn how, how to, how to fail. fail. That's the psychoanalysis you <laughs> part.
2: And, that, and that's the year that Bautista came into his own. Edwin was kind of starting to kind of turn the corner. Well they were screwed with him. Yeah, then that's we right. We sent him down. Yeah. That's right.
1: And I
4: remember thinking like, why the hell are we sending this guy down? Yeah. I don't care if he's hitting 100. It scares me even being on yeah. deck with that guy.
1: Yeah. Edwin only had three hundred sixty events. Under
2: Yeah. Yeah. He yeah. <laughs> For some reason they sent him down. They sent them down and then I think Oakland claimed them. He came up like, like a yeah. And then Oakland let him go, and then the Blue Jays claimed them again, and then they sent him down to AAA, and then he – And then, yeah, like they, 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 they messed with him. And then, then him, went and off. Now he's ready.
1: Now he's know you, know, you know what
2: helped him with that is uh, Bautista, where he
4: kind of went through that with Pittsburgh, with Kansas City and some teams. I think he was pretty instrumental in, in having Edwin not – having him come out of that good
2: because having that, Joey bats excel and
4: be that mentor to him, I think that was
2: – I saw, I saw Jake. I saw Jake Peavy. Uh, my last big league camp at the Giants, and he still swore to the day that we were cheating. Yeah, it's
4: he because I, it's because I put him in the third deck. He's like, "Oh well, shit, if I'm getting homers to pop, they're for sure cheating." No, your just started to get flat, Jake. Sorry about it. You wait, it hold,
1: the wait, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. You threw it in the loop.
4: Third deck. Oh, yeah. Go check it. I'm sure there's some eat, sort of highlight.
2: It's way up there.
4: Way up there. <laughs> way up there. Yeah, opening hey. night, dude. Down and in sinker. boof. Yeah. Oh, hair standing up still. Open, <laughs> opening night, night. Oh, week. Opening yeah.
2: week. Uh, he still swore. He told me. He came up to me, and he's like, Ricky, we're teammates here. Be honest with me. Who was the guy giving you signs? And I was like, bro, what the fuck are you talking about? He's I like, know, no, dude, I we went that, and, so he's like, we went and sat up there and we saw the guy. We talked to the guy. Dude, was dude I it, it was fun because as
4: soon as we they people would come in, because of course, being a catcher, you look for all that, you'd come in an early BP, and I'd see people out there looking, and then they would come up. You we had an edge on people before we even started. Yeah.
2: Uh, You're so in there. every head.
4: team was thinking about it. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. And I, I remember about, about it. it.
2: I remember that weekend, that opening weekend you're talking about against the Chicago White Sox, where we hit Peavy yeah. really, really good. Um, and then like there was rumors that he was so mad that they were gonna start throwing at us. And I remember Vernon Wells kind of took the initiative as the leader of the team and actually went and spoke to Jake PB and was like, dude, no, like you guys better not start drilling us. Like, we're not cheating, you know. And I think it kind of well, I think there's there's
4: that, there's that clubhouse. It's it's you can't measure it now
2: because it's almost yeah.
4: like you said, it doesn't that respect that ragging on the product that I think comes out of that <clears throat> is baseball has been good on it where it's policed itself because of yeah. veterans like Vernon, guys like PB inside the clubhouse. Yeah, outside of life, these men are different. They can be different. There's yeah. its own rules and set of rules and, and set of respect inside a clubhouse. And I think when Vernon did that and something like that, it's. It gets policed pretty well because it was it was respected. I don't, you know. I of course, even being an outsider coming in, I wanted to find out because I was calling games against uh, these suspicions as well, and wanted to get in on the loop. Uh, but to be able to see that,
2: and you, all I would you say, know
4: put out because say. well, Vernon stepped up a lot on that because that yeah. could have got because the rumors were, you know, always that Toronto did that, but I think Vernon. Being there as long as he, I think we would all know the secrets, and it's yeah, you know, it's ne- there's never been anybody. I'm trusting, all I know I was like, dude, find- we,
2: <laughs> we, we, we're sitting in fourth place, like what the fuck? <laughs> yeah, it was a fourth
4: place with 90 games, one, two, yeah, not mention that, like,
2: uh, yeah. yeah, that's right.
4: Like, we had we, that was the year that uh, because all I know is it was the best team I've ever been on, and somehow we were nowhere near playoffs like how yeah that was the year that new york and who else was gangster that year new york was (laughs)
2: open well tampa had that good pitching staff that's Um, right tampa with uh 2010 who won the, the 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 it was the giants they won the world series who did they beat they beat uh texas rangers the Rangers. Yeah, that's right. Were, Rangers were – that's right. The Rangers had All the thumpers.
0: Yeah.
2: Uh, yeah. But, but, but I was going to say – I, No, I was going to say, yeah, that team was – dude, it was – you know, you add a few pieces here and there, it, it might be looking a lot different. But the, the, the clubhouse well, – The clubhouse part of it I remember was, telling
4: Topless, I was like, dude, I would like this. I know JP's coming. I know, like, maybe a one or two deal – Thing here, yeah. maybe a year, and I was even willing to give another year. Maybe do a solid one-year deal, because I just felt like these guys are real close. Yeah, like, you guys as a unit, knowing that I was kind of that fill-in gap guy. Uh, but I, I, you know, just things that he wanted to do and money that I was about to get. I think if I wasn't
2: an all-star, it probably would have happened. And I think I just out was- it myself. That was the coolest part too that year, man, seeing you uh, be an all-star for the Toronto Blue Jays. I mean, when when you kind of know when the way I knew you as a person and the hard work that you had put in to be rewarded as an all-star, I mean, should I did it one year and I'm sure for you it's like it's it's like nobody could ever take that away from us. Like sitting in that clubhouse, being around fucking just legends, the dude. Dudes, and, and I think the I look at yeah. the picture, our team picture, and I'm like, holy shit, like Man, like I'm like not, I am
4: i do not belong with those men
2: but I did yeah. and then
4: they're the ones cuz me it was cool cuz it was the peer pick or the, you know the the players kind of vote so to have it you know to have that pick it came with its own sense of pride like all right like I feel this way but also all these men in here think the way I'm playing deserves to be here with them so it felt I mean
2: it when, yeah I get that feeling you saying let me ask you when you walk into that clubhouse who were you I mean obviously you you know all these hitters cuz you talk to them but who were you like yeah. in, like like in awe of like damn I get to be teammates with this guy for for 2 days you know like or get to talk to like Well I
4: liked I I, I don't know I um Joe Mauer was pretty cool just because we had played against him so so long and get to see everybody in the environment where they're the man right and you can imagine who the ones I'm talking about that are that way or the ones that are very humble or the ones that conduct themselves or each saying something funny like he always does. Like to be a part of that and hear that I was taking it all in. But Joe, I was really interested because I think he's a unicorn in my own position. Right. Yeah. And and to have the amount of respect of playing against him so many years and to see that was fun to be able to be like, all right. I think you're an all-star and to be on the solo that year with him
1: there we go lost his audio 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 oh uh, I think his thing's uh his headphones dying can't hear you oh man I want to hear each other story oh See, back. it's Ichiro. Ichiro got us because I know he was going to tell an Ichiro story. And nobody's supposed to talk about Ichiro stories, right? It's like Fight Club. You don't tell us Ichiro stories in the All-Star game about him <laughs> cussing everybody out in English. Is, is he, Did he Did he hang up? I think his, his AirPods might have died. Let's see how right, he's calling back. We got buddy. There we
2: back. go. All right,
1: cool.
4: Sorry, hey, Sorry about I was, that. I don't, I don't know what happened.
2: I was gonna say, didn't you come back and say a funny Ichiro story about him, like how the way he sits on his chair?
4: Oh no, when he comes up to the bat, like yeah, he sits on his chair like all like in a catcher squat. But when he comes up, you know how he comes up to bat and stretches and squats on his back, kind of sits there and does his little thing. But most people don't realize he's like moving as he is stretching. But I could, I can't count on both hands how many times he's farted on me and the umpire. <laughs> The guy has such good control of his entire body that I think he's doing some yoga breathing where he squishes all the bad air, and he always tells me, get the bad air out. So I'll be honest, I've tried to do that. I'm just going, hell, if atrio is doing it, I'm going to try to fart too, because he gets hit every time. And I know, I've been a part of that on the bad end of it, a lot on both his end and the other end of the hit. So I've, I've tried to stretch like that. I'll go up there and twist and try to fart. If he if he does it, it's got to work. That's middle Dude, midget one the right there. Try
1: everybody to... has an Ichiro story and you never hear their same story repeated. Everybody always has a new Ichiro story about this guy. It's fantastic. It's because every,
4: every, everything he does is awesome.
1: Right? It's just... <laughs> He's hilarious. And then yeah. the first time I walked into the Mariners clubhouse and I see him, I'm like, where's the rest of this guy? Like, all skinny frail. And then like you this you've seen him after the game, you know, we're interviewing him. His suits are tailored to the point. I'm like, he must have had like a size 28 waist or something, man. Like just did not look like a like guy a, who was feared. He pulled his he pulled his like he gave me a bat.
4: He pulled it out of a suitcase. So yeah. That, he's he, he's put together better than the rest of us humans. Let's just say that.
1: What a guy. <laughs> what a
2: guy. Uh <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna show you this one really quick, but uh, and and before before we kind of wrap this up, one of my favorite games of my career, and you probably know which one it is, was this one with you oh, behind yeah. the bench, and I'm sure you remember yep. this game. Uh huh. What was and the game? We are there. We are. Uh, it's in Chicago. Chicago. No, no, no. No, it's in not New that's York.
4: At
2: home. That's at home. No, that's in New York. It's probably blurry, but it was the the weekend. Uh, we threw a CG against the Yankees uh, against the Yankees that day. And, oh, is and, that uh, when you
4: had your uh, family? Was is that when your fa- was your family in New York? No, oh, no, nobody was.
2: Nobody was. Nobody. Yeah, was. I don't.
4: I don't remember. I did too many foul balls, Ricky. I don't remember them.
2: <laughs> it was a CG. CG against the Yankees.
4: I, I've caught so many CGs in my day.
2: I'm just <laughs> <laughs> perfect me. And that was – I think that was the weekend that A-Rod was going to hit – he was going for 600 or something. And they were changing the ball. Yeah. You, you caught, yeah. or Wait, it, was, so,
1: it, was, it was you who caught me my CG in New so York. And, not, I, when yeah. A-Rod's going for 600 like that, they have new balls every time he comes up to bat, right? Yeah, yeah. Because you were throwing yeah. those? Yeah. And you're like, man, yeah. nah, fuck that. He ain't doing it against me.
2: I said oh, no. Yeah, and then he did it de- For sure. And then he for did sure, it the next day against sure. Sean Marco. Yep. Yeah, 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 I do
4: remember that. I remember going to block that ball.
2: Yeah, so, so yeah,
4: yeah. The, So do you know? Do you know? I have my podcast. The guy that was living with A Rod and and that the guy that did all this the steroid stuff for them.
1: Yeah,
4: yeah. I had him on my podcast.
1: He did, and,
4: and yeah, and when I asked him because during that documentary, I'm going to block the ball when A Rod's doing that. During that, that's us, right? I was or blue. It was uh, because J- it, it was during that home run stint. It's him. How the kids kind of protected. Look at the catcher. And I said, "That's me behind the plate because I was the one behind with Sean Markham trying to catch." I remember going to block and I walked him through that. I was like, "You cheated me!" Like to the guy, I was like, "I feel like you cheated me." Right, because he was talking about how he got the protocol, and he's just about the science. He didn't really care about us, right? So I was trying to show kids like this guy, will dudes out there that care about the science of this? I'm like, and he goes, "Yeah, I didn't ever think I'd have this phone call with somebody." So I got to kind of call him out on my podcast. So check that out. Screwball
1: is a a movie on uh, Netflix. Screwball. Screwball. Correct. then Behind the Dish podcast with uh, John Buck is where you want to hear those episodes.
2: you caught me CG the the night before we went we dealt that night dealt gave up a two see, run. See left. the thing is
4: with you you were always were on the. I remember always being on the verge of a C. like we had several that year. Yeah, it dude. felt like it, we were we were managing like all right Ricky try to go a little after him so we can get a CG because we were all, you were making so many strikeouts that it was always in the sixth seventh you were having to hand stuff off what i remember yeah. we were trying to our battle was trying to get to as many pitches so we didn't burn you up It was trying to lessen your pitches earlier in the count because we kept getting deep but we had three no with three, no three, runs but it was yeah
2: three complete games and we threw 210 innings to get 210. you don't even hear of two 200 plus as many as much as uh, like no. it, it was like natural for us to do that like let's go to 200
1: we're going and it to wasn't 200. that long ago it wasn't yeah, it was, that long uh, ago uh john let's wrap up with you here you are uh, we are talking about mental strength and in your podcast behind the dish podcast you talk with the guests about the mental fortitude these young athletes have to have uh, so what's some of the best advice you can give to these parents whose kids are playing eight thousand travel ball games a year especially in Utah. I know they're starting to pop up all over the, all the facilities, but they don't for, they forget about how the mental side, you said earlier, you were skiing, you're riding BMX, you were doing gymnastics, a bunch of other stuff. Best advice for parents who think that their kids going to be the next A-Rod. Um,
4: whether you think well, they're well, going well, to be
1: next Okay. The next, uh, put, wait, no, not put, uh, the next, the next athlete. Yeah.
4: There you go. Boom. I like that. Uh, the next the, Mike Trout's usually a clean way to go. <laughs> um, I think whether you're gonna be that athlete the next player or not, or you're not the right way to have the car ride to the field, your actions as a parent is just a even your, your being aware of your emotions and, and the things, cause you're gonna feel it cause you want it for them as a parent but also taking more stock on your car ride home. So probably that pregame, car ride two, what your actions are doing when your kid looks at you, and then that car ride home. There's a lot of development and learning and probably more importantly, learning how to prepare for a goal or competition or performance, how we deal with it, and then the car ride home. I think
0: Hmm. learning how
4: to like, what people don't see is when we go into that clubhouse right away after getting my ass kicked with Ricky, why it hurts and it stings. We go over stuff. Like we go over it with, with no victim, not being a victim, like whoa is me. He's like, no, Ricky, what do we got to do? My bad. I know there's times I went to Ricky. That was my fault. You hit your pitch. I got to establish in more. If we do X, Y, and Z better, we'll get a, B and C. Right And why it's fresh. And then when we leave or walk into the house and engage with mom or brother or sister or whatever, being able to really let it go because we've had the proper decompression, I think that's, that's key. I think we, meaning me and Ricky or, or the elite, we did that so routinely and so 162 games, 180 days, it became like clockwork for us. But I don't think that's talked about why we're able to do that where kids are playing a lot of games now. It's it's Fortnite on the way there, play when we're supposed to be de-stressing, getting yelled at by mom, dad, or the coach, and then on the way home telling ourselves we suck with a dad, confirming that, saying, yeah, you suck, you swung at a high pitch. I feel like that's, that's spiraling a lot of kids where it's leaving a lot of opportunities either before the game to prep your child to be consistent and also to prime themselves. Maybe they need to have a little more fun. That's your time to tell them. And then a post-game, structure it to where you're wanting to get the results and, and make sure you're using the right tools or seek out tools so you can have the relationship with your child even if he punches out with the bases loaded. Yeah. Is that all right? Is that good? I mean, yeah. Like, that's, <laughs> It's, that's my that's my secret sauce. That's what I think parents need. That's what we
1: like hearing from pro because we have a lot of parents are watching and they think like you know they get so caught up in what their kids are going to do and then they realize that hey that 12 year old doesn't need to be playing in a perfect game in Georgia every other weekend like let, like let him ride a bike. Yeah, but if but
4: also too if he does so because there's two schools like and finding real results and real like real impact. For, which I'd say he does. Yeah having a process to do that and scheduling out maybe that you don't and when you don't because you have gone the last two or three find out when you want to take a break and put in some rest and recovery and so when you don't go i say get to higher ground for me it's go skiing go mountain bike downhill mountain biking create do something in the zone or flow state that's outside the arena of baseball because you're more than a baseball player you're and so that's, much more
2: than a baseball player. That's, that's for me what I didn't understand when I when when I struggled in 2012. Um, you know, Correct. that's where I didn't, I didn't know how to separate. Um, like like Buck is saying here, what, what like once I took off that uniform and walked out of that clubhouse, it was done. It was over with. And no, I carried it into the my apartment, into going and having drinks, into going to dinner, feeling sorry for myself. I just didn't know how to. There was so much going on. I was trying to live up to a contract. I was trying to live up to the a status. I was trying to live up to so much that at the end of the day, I think it, it hurt me. It, it was just one of those things where, you know, and I'm sure you found yourself there too, Buck, where, where sometimes you, oh, a yeah. piece of shit, you know, you, you're trying to live up to this, to this money that, that, that we were given and, and it, things are not working out and you're just like, fuck, I'm, I'm in that video room. I'm putting in the work. Why is it not translating? And it mm. was like the, the game just at times just, it just wasn't fun. You know, it just like, all right, this, this is not working out. Fuck this game, you know. And then, other day, and then, and then, you see a little bit of success, and you're like, okay. And then it just right back to where you started, you know. And it's like, the game itself is already hard. And I think at times for me, I made it harder. And 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 it, when it should have been the complete opposite. I remember in 2012, you asked me, and and I always say this because I remember when you were in in, in Florida and Miami, and I came up to the plate, and you're like, how are you doing? I was like, fuck, man, like. I'm 10 and one because that was right before the all star break. I'm 10 and one, but I have like a four and a half VRA. And you're like, so? And 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 I couldn't get past that because I wanted. I'm like, I'm 10 and one, but I'm I'm getting Living in the past. Yeah. And I'm getting lucky. I was like, I'm getting lucky, man. I'm getting lucky. We talked before the game. I was like, I'm getting lucky. Like, this is not gonna last the way I'm going. And looking back at it i'm like dude 10 and one with the four who cares like i should have just rolled with it but i was trying to get that era down i was trying like everyone's like calling me lucky oh he's getting all the run support well then from that game i did not win another one till my last start that year and i went on the you,
4: longest you fulfilled your prophecy it, yeah you, that's how powerful you are and that's see that's my thing when i got you convinced in you and when you were convinced and digging on you like, think about how I came into the clubhouse, how I had all those weird sayings with I would say to you, passing the Waller coodle or whatever we did. It was to re-dopamine drip you of digging you on you. And I remember when you came up, I remember that. And I remember talking with you saying, who cares? Yeah. Who cares? Like, you're about ready to dominate. You're about ready to do this. You're about, where we getting this, that pre-game, in-game, post-game? Here's Ricky telling you he's telling you living through experience if I would have had a structure to help me get back into the present not in the future or the past Ricky would have been the Ricky of old yeah. it was it was that I think once he learned how to deal with that that's that's why if Ricky could throw right now he'd probably never never come off the mouth
2: that, oh dude a- I played catch yesterday and I was like I told Carl I was like, my wife I was like um my, I should make a comeback, huh? And she's like, shut up. <laughs>
4: That's what Brooke said, too. I'm out here catching in the morning for the boys. and <clears throat> I think I could. It's like, oh, yeah, these guys are nine. Never mind. It's yeah. My, yeah. My, I might not be able to take Ricky's shit anymore. <laughs> Buck, we
1: get, but we're going to have to get you back on, but and we're going to have to do a mental health like breakdown yeah. with you. Like We got your story. We got everything else. But we got to get you back on pretty soon. And I think it'll be Just, really good uh, and beneficial for parents to hear the mental so much, side of what you're saying.
2: There's so much that I learned post my career you know yeah. now as a, a grown-up as a an adult not that i wasn't a grown-up before but i was younger i was immature i didn't know we how to you know we were yeah but now we looking back, i'm like fuck a four and a half era is not bad you know yes i wasn't living up to that you know 30 million dollar contract that i was given but shoot like if i could have just kept winning, winning winning who cares you know who cares like there's always Getting, but I just wanted—I wanted everything to come together all at once, and and it just wasn't happening. I was thinking three steps ahead while instead of taking care of business now, and and I learned that now, and I talk about that all the time. I I I talk with young athletes all the time to stay in the present. Like, li- li- who cares if you're struggling? Embrace these, embrace the struggle because the struggle is going to make you better. Your next, your next at bat or your next game. Learn how to yeah. fail. Learn how to yeah. fail.
1: And that's uh, we're gonna have that at the Ricky Romero Baseball Camp Thanksgiving weekend. And, Buck, you're going to hear – you're going to lo- oh, yeah. Yeah, Rick, I don't want to put this kid on blast. I reached but- out to it how
4: I saw this. I saw it on Instagram, and I w- it was, you know, a late night. I was like, hey, when is it? So yeah, I think that's coming the 15th. because
1: uh, the, the oh, 28th. The 28th. The deadline this weekend, and we we do is – it's a free camp. Uh, our group – it literally started with our group chat, Buck. And we're like, okay. oh, let's just do this. We told Ricky, you do, like, the reach out to your friends stuff. We'll do all the logistics behind the scenes. And it's a free camp for kids in East L.A. area, uh, high school kids. And we give them the instruction of how to apply for the NCAA clearinghouse, how to get financial aid, how like you're not going to go to a D1. You're not going to see UCLA because if you were they would have already found you. But you have a 4.0. Why not apply to Dixie State or Southern Utah or, you know, those smaller schools that you can go and play somewhere, get out of your environment. And we have every kid write a paragraph of why I should go. And it's. It, I like it. it. And all the people that are the instructors are current or former pros. Uh, just trying to tell the kids, like, this is exactly how you do it. So, if you are listening right now, you have a kid at LA Unified, go to Ricky Memorial Baseball Camp on Instagram. Check it out. It's cool. It's free. It's not like uh, those other showcases where you're paying 500 bucks and it's like, oh, you get two games. No, this is real instruction. And you get a motivation from Ricky, the only kid from East LA to make it to the major leagues. So, why not? Sorry
2: about it. Sorry about and, it. Yeah. And it. And it's and – it's, honestly, it's, it's very fulfilling. And we, ha- we had it once, Buggy, and – two years ago, right before COVID hit, we had one. And then last year we didn't have it obviously, but, um, and like the, the sense of like emotion and like, dude, every, everything just came together the way it came together. It was cool. I'm not saying these kids are like, you know, like to see their faces and how happy they were to be there in the presence of not, not myself, but like, there's other guys, you know, Noy Ramirez and Alan Trejo who made his debut this year. And, and, uh, and so many professional baseball players, not big leaguers by any means, but professional baseball players. To me, I'm like, I mean, what what's better than this? You're learning, not every kid's gonna have crazy talent, but shoot, I didn't have crazy talent, you know, my my freshman year, my sophomore year, my junior year of high school. It's like there's steps that you gotta go through. You you gotta get better, 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 and maybe we motivate one or two. And like Beto said, you know better than anybody, John. MLB baseball is not about D one athletes. It really isn't. Like there yeah. the, you look at a roster and there's high school kids, there's freaking D three kids, D two kids, and, and well, some and of I those a- some of those stories
4: you're like, you're yeah. from where?
2: Who? Yeah. You yeah. Know? Probably yeah. more more
4: so than the norm of what you would think. Yeah.
2: Exactly. And that's and that's what we try to get through these guys' heads because nowadays, as you know, um, we get so caught up. Parents get so caught up in this, oh, my, my kid's going to be got to go D1. He's got to go D1. And it's like, that don't mean shit. He can go D1. That's fine. But what if he sits for the next three years? That that There goes his career, you know, correct. where you can go to an NAIA school, a D2 school. Go make a name for yourself. Get better. Somebody's going to find you. Trust me. If you're good correct. enough, somebody's going to find you. And that's or just the way it is.
1: on go. the flip side, we also have it. Uh, hey, you have a 4.0. Why don't you go to MIT and uh, yeah, become the next GM?
4: Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. You're more than a baseball player.
2: You're right. That's exactly we have. Right. Right. So
1: that'll be that, but yeah, uh, Buck, we're gonna have you on again pretty soon to get you that the mental well, side. He
2: he might be interested. He's gonna let me know. He might be interested in coming. Yeah. Oh,
1: if you do, the, the kids would love to hear that mental side of what they needed here because yeah. it, cool. they, they just need that, especially in the environment where they're at, where they're constantly told you can't do this, you can't do that. Why not? Dream big. So John Buck, follow him on Instagram, uh, John Forty Four. Uh, his Twitter, he gave up on it four years ago, which is smart, lucky man. Because uh, it's just a toxic, toxic world. And
4: boom! That's exactly right. I suck, so I didn't. I needed to learn how to suck, and it was no more of that.
2: <laughs> and if, and if get, for baseball equipment, he he has a whole line of baseball equipment that he sells, like these cool ass bags, man. If, it, if well, I, I
4: actually uh, merged with uh, Lizard Skin. They oh. bought my patents because uh, I was part of Lizard Skin creating that I was made out of this batting cage by the way
1: Buck Athletics. Skin
4: was, and yeah. uh so i sold all those to them so and lizard skin i think just sold for 50 million so apparently i didn't get any of that but i still get my little check for my bag so
2: <laughs> yeah they got some cool bags they got some cool bags it's got some cool stuff that you put your glove so it keeps its form when you put it in your bag oh, i awesome. use that in the leagues all the time i loved it it's cool glove guardian yeah, the glove yeah. Guardian. Yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, patents. That's when you know you're more than a baseball player. When you have a patent. Yeah. we'll take care of that. Yeah, I've,
2: got,
4: I've got a couple. A little uh, John Buck 44, your good.
1: podcast is Behind the Dish. Go and check it out. It's on hiatus right now, but there's over 50 episodes on there. Uh, one of them also, Vinny Rock, uh, who we know, he was on your podcast. Yeah. So a lot of good dudes. I uh, actually listened to the Brett Tomko one a couple days ago. Good dude. So, yeah. It's well, yeah, a good one. Behind the Dish. Go and check that out with him. And Buck Athletics are, if you were looking for any kind of information. So, John Buck, we'll talk to you soon. Ricky, talk Thanks, to you brother. in a bit. Appreciate we got a, a camping plan. Adios, guys. All right. See
3: you, Rick.